Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discover True Treasure. I'm Angela. On today's episode, we are going to talk about godly discipline. Let's begin. Thanks for joining me. Last week, I discussed what I believe is a popular belief in Christianity, which is that God does not care about our happiness, or rather that our happiness is not his main concern. Now, at the end of last week's episode, I concluded after looking at definitions of the word happy and the word joy and going over scriptures, I concluded that I believe God wants us to be happy. And I said that true happiness is only found in Jesus Christ, that true happiness is found in doing the will of the Lord. Now, even though I've said that, that happiness is not found in the world, some people may still disagree with my assessment that God wants us happy. And the reason they may disagree is because they may incorrectly believe that I'm saying that we are promised that we will be happy all the time in this life. And of course, that is just not true. I believe that that can be our default, amen, that we can have joy and that we can have happiness, but we definitely will face trials and tribulations in this life. Jesus himself said in the gospels that we will have tribulation, but he also said, be of good cheer. Now, how on earth can you be of good cheer while you are going through trials and tribulation? I think the key is our perspective. What are we focusing on? Are we focusing on our trials? Are we focusing on our challenges and tribulations? Or are we focusing on Jesus? Because I truly believe if we focus on Jesus, we can have joy in the midst of trials and tribulations. Now, this makes me think about Stephen in the book of Acts. Now, if you've read the account of Stephen in the book of Acts, you know that he was stoned for preaching the truth, the good news of Jesus Christ. First, he was lied on, he was interrogated, found guilty and stoned for preaching that salvation is found only in Christ. It is not found in the law of Moses. Now, when you go through the account of Stephen, and I'm sure we can agree that being lied on, being interrogated and ultimately being sentenced to death for preaching the good news of Jesus Christ is definitely a terrible, horrible trial to be going through. But as we read his account, we find that while he was being interrogated, while people were just lying on him, we're told that his face became as bright as an angel. Why? Well, he was gazing steadily into heaven. And as a result, he saw the glory of God. And we're told that he saw Jesus himself standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. While he was going through this trial, literally his gaze was on the Lord. Amen. And even when they started stoning him, he did not 
break that gaze. He continued to gaze upwards and he talked about seeing Jesus and seeing the glory of God and even prayed for those who were stoning him. Amen. What an example. Oh Lord. Now, just because I truly believe the Bible shows us that God wants us to experience joy, that he wants us to be happy. Our sins are forgiven. We are happy. I believe that is our default spiritually, but we will experience grief in our souls. We, we in this life will have moments or seasons of trials and tribulations. Now, one of the things that can cause us to in, endure a season of tribulation, a season where we may endure sadness uh, and sorrow, I believe could be when we're being disciplined. So I want to take a look at Hebrews chapter 12, because that chapter talks about God disciplining his children. And I just want to talk about why, why is this necessary? Why does he do it? And what is his ultimate goal in disciplining us? And I want to go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse five. And it says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. So this scripture makes it clear that the Lord does indeed discipline his children. And we are encouraged not to make light of that. And we're encouraged not to give up when he corrects us. Because when you're being disciplined, it's something that is not pleasant and it is something that requires you to endure. So we are encouraged not to give up when he corrects us. So it goes on in verse six, verse six says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Amen. God disciplines us, or we could say trains us because he loves us. He loves us and we are accepted as his children. But let me say right now that it's important to keep in mind that the discipline of the Lord is not him putting diseases on us. It's not him causing us to have accidents to teach us a lesson. That's not child training. We wouldn't say if a parent said, oh, I, I burned my child's finger to teach him that he should not touch the stove. You, we would say, you what? That's abuse. Now, unfortunately, if the child was told repeatedly, do not touch the hot stove and they disobeyed, the consequences will be pain. They will experience pain because they touched the hot stove. But you, you don't teach your child not to touch a hot stove by saying, come on over to this flame. I want to teach you that this flame is hot. So the Lord does not discipline us. It is not discipline to put diseases on us and to cause us to have accidents and all of these horrible things. No, that's the enemy. That's the enemy doing those things. The enemy is only about stealing, killing, and destroying. All right. So when we're talking about discipline from the Lord, that's not what we're talking about. He is training us in the way of holiness. Amen. 
Okay, so let's move on to verse seven. And verse seven says, and this is from the New Living Translation. It says, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? What would we say if a parent never disciplined his or her child? What would we say about that parent? Would we say, oh, that's a good parent? No, most of us would consider that type of parent parenting to be neglect. We would call that neglect. We would not say that that's acting as if you love your child. I think that even worldly parents know that it's important to train and discipline their children. So likewise, when we go wayward on our Christian walk, when we need discipline, God will discipline us. He will train us in the way of holiness. And if he doesn't, Think about it. If he just ignores our behavior, then he's treating us as if we're not his children. So we should be encouraged when God disciplines us because that means that he loves us and it means that we are his children. Amen. Okay, so let's continue with verse nine, which tells us that we respect our earthly fathers who have disciplined us. And it says, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? Amen. So if we, who, those of us who've been blessed to have loving fathers, if we submitted to their discipline, shouldn't we even more submit to our heavenly father's discipline now verse 10 is going to get into this even more as far as why we should submit even more to our heavenly father's discipline so verse 10 says for our earthly fathers discipline discipline us for a few years and it says that they basically did the best they knew how to do But this verse says that God's discipline is always good for us. Why? So that we might share in his holiness. Amen. So basically the discipline of our earthly fathers was not perfect. Parents in general don't always get it right. Sometimes even parents may discipline us out of anger and they may discipline their children too harshly. And then we know in extreme cases, what some call parental discipline is actually abuse. And that's, that's horrific. On the other hand, sometimes discipline is too soft or it's ineffective, but that's because we are human and we're only doing the best we can. But God's discipline is always, always for our good. Now, verse 11 says that no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living of those who are trained in this way. Amen. So God's discipline does not feel good. Just like worldly discipline doesn't feel good, God's discipline doesn't feel good. But the end result is a peaceful harvest of right living. Now, I can remember when I first got saved, I got disciplined by the Lord often. Now, of course, I have grown in the Lord by his grace. And as a result, I don't get disciplined nearly as often. But that doesn't mean that I never make mistakes and that I never need discipline. But it just means that God's 
discipline when I was young in the Lord was effective. And you think about it, even with our worldly relationships, you want to discipline a child when they're young. I'm sorry, if you're, if you wait until, if you try to wait until they're 12 years old or 15, 16 years old to, to child train them, you really have a challenge on your hands and you really have to be creative and you really need wisdom from God because child training is effective. Hence when they're children, that's when it's effective. And so I received a lot of discipline when I was young in the Lord and it was effective. It did what it was supposed to do, which is yield a peaceful harvest of right living. Amen. Now, one may ask, how does God discipline us? Well, honestly, I can only speak from my own experience. I don't really know how God disciplines everyone else. I, of course, I'm sure there are some common ways in which the Lord disciplines his children, but I do believe that most of the time his discipline is tailored to each particular child. And what may be effective discipline for one child may not be effective for another. And you know, you know, this is true. If you have more than one child, you may, for instance, take away technology from one child because they just love their tech. They love their, their phone and you take away their, their phone. They'll do whatever you tell them to do, whatever you tell them to do, because they love their phone. You could take a phone away from your other child who doesn't really care about their phone at all. They're, they're a bookworm. They just love to read. You can take away their phone and, and tell them to go up to their room where there's a library full of books and that's not effective discipline. Therefore, I do believe that our discipline is tailored. God tailors it to his individual children. Now, for me personally, one of the main ways in which the Lord has disciplined me over the years has been through his word. I have gotten many stinging rebukes from the word of God. The word of God will cut you. That is, that is one of the main ways that the Lord has, has disciplined me to this day. However, I've also been disciplined by spiritual leaders. Now, here's the thing though. It is important that it is a godly leader. So important because if, if it's not a godly leader, it can just go wayward really, really quickly. So it has to be godly leaders because godly leaders do have the authority to discipline and they know how to do it effectively by following the leading of the Lord. But while we're on the subject of receiving the discipline from the Lord through godly leadership, I, I have to talk about the danger of false teachers. And so I want to go to second Peter and I want to go to chapter two, and I don't want to stay on this too long, but this is, this is something that I experienced in my past. And I think that it's, it's very important to also bring this out because yes, we are to receive um, discipline from godly leaders. They have that authority from the Lord. However, we cannot forget that there are false teachers amongst us. There are false teachers. There are wolves in sheep clothing amongst us. And people have been abused and manipulated 
by these false teachers. So 2 Peter chapter 2 talks about this. And let me go to, just go to verse 2. It says, many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. Moving on to verse three, it says, in their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago and their destruction will not be delayed. Okay, so let's move down to verse 12. And so this is 2 Peter chapter two, verse 12. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And I just want to quickly talk about false teachers and being aware of false teachers. Verse 12 says, these false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin and they are well-trained in greed. They live under God's curse. So I wanna stop there. And so the reason I wanted to go through those scriptures is because it is important that we know we are not being told to just blindly follow anyone who says that they are a godly leader. We're not to just blindly follow pastors and teachers. It is important for us to have discernment. It's important for us to grow in the word. Women of God, I'm talking to you, sisters in Christ. We have to know the word of God. The Holy Spirit lives in us too, and he wants us to have discernment for our own good. We have to remember that there will be false teachers amongst us, and there are people who have done some terrible things because their leadership told them to do it. And the word says right here, it talks about how they lure unstable people into sin and they are well-trained in greed. Now, godly leadership will discipline you for your own good. So that's how you know the difference. That's how you know it's godly leadership. Godly leaders are not trying to get something from you. Godly leadership is, is giving to you. So we can trust that when we're under godly leadership and they correct us, that the Lord is using them to discipline us. And remember, discipline from the Lord is always for our good. It's always for our good. Amen. Okay, now Paul talks about a form of discipline for extreme cases. And this form of discipline is disassociation. Disassociation. And in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians Paul talks about a man who is living in sin with his stepmother. I mean, think about that. He is living in sin with his father's wife, not ex-wife, his wife. And so Paul tells the believers at Corinth that they should be mourning about this. They should be in sorrow over this behavior. And he says this man should be removed from their fellowship. 
And then he goes on to say that they are to hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed, but that he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. And he, and he says the reason why he needs to be removed is because that sin is like yeast, yeast that spreads through a whole batch of dough. Now, oh my gosh, this is, this is extreme. And I haven't really seen this type of discipline carried out, uh, but oh, you really have to be, be led by the Lord because there are some churches in which leadership will excommunicate you, not because you've sinned. It may be simply because you disagree with uh, something going on in the church or you asked a question. You're not slandering anyone. You're not gossiping. You just, you just don't agree. You don't see eye to eye on something. And you have some leaders that don't take, take that too well. And they will, they will excommunicate you for having the audacity to ask questions about things. Now that's not godly discipline. That sounds like manipulation and control. And again, we've talked about the difference that there will be false teachers. So in the case of a situation where someone is being um, disciplined with disassociation. Paul reminds even the Corinthians that that person is not their enemy. So we shouldn't be going around gossiping about whatever it is that they, they have done or are doing. We should be praying for them. And, you know, that discipline in the book of Corinthians was actually effective because Paul in 2 Corinthians commended them for what they had done. I mean, they took care of the situation. So we can say that again, the results are what matters. In that extreme situation in the book of Corinthians, when believers did what Paul told them to do, and it sounded extreme, but the purpose was so that this person's sinful nature would be destroyed and so that he himself would be saved on the day the Lord returns. Let me, let me just end by saying that God does discipline his children. Why? Because he loves us. Because we are his children. And when he does it, it is always for our good. So even when we go back to the passage in Corinthians, when Paul is telling this congregation how to deal with this man who is living in sin with his stepmother, he is telling them to hand him over to Satan not so that he would be destroyed, so that his sinful nature would be destroyed. Because at the end of the day, God wants him saved. God wants him to, to share, partake in his holiness. God does not discipline his children in a way that would destroy us or harm us. Instead, he's disciplining us so that the end result will be peaceable fruit righteous living, and holiness. Amen. Thanks again for joining me. I wanted to give you a heads up that I may be moving to a bi-weekly format with some bonus episodes sprinkled in from time to time. So if I do not post a new episode next week, it's because I've chosen to move from a weekly format to a bi-weekly format. Now, I hope you were truly blessed by today's episode. And as always, 
I welcome you to send your questions, comments, or prayer requests. And you can do so two ways. You can email me at discovertruetreasure at gmail.com. That's discovertruetreasure, as if it's one word, at gmail.com. Or you can leave me a voice message by clicking on the link in the show notes. Until next time, rest in the assurance that you are valuable and dearly loved by our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you.